Hi everyone, welcome back to the latest episode of Build Your Future podcast. Today we have Susie Morris on from Morris Property Pioneers. Hello Susie. Hi Tom, thanks so much for having me on. It's really it's nice to be here. Pleasure, my pleasure. I, um, I was keen to get you on because as we kind of said before the, the call took place that you followed quite an interesting path in terms of your, your rent-to-rent journey and then obviously moving into HMOs, raising angel finance. And I think that's quite a an interesting start to a lot of people's kind of property journeys and so I think a lot of people will start at the beginning and kind of be uh, they kind of get like a, a over overindulged there was just too much information they don't know where to start there's so many opportunities so many options and they kind of go oh actually I'll, I'll, I'll just wait till next year or wait till I've kind of figured a bit of a plan or a path out while well, you've kind of gone no this is what I want to do I'm going to kind of crack on with this uh, opportunity and then that's then allowed you to then kind of step and scale and move into the HMO model so yeah kind of interested to hear a bit more as to how the the whole journey began really so maybe we can kind of talk about the rent to rents and then we can yeah. kind of talk about scaling into the HMO market yeah so um I did a bit of property training to begin with and did lots of reading around and I think lots of people will procrastinate for quite a while before they actually get into property you know Starting a business is is quite risky and people are trying to find out lots of information before you take the leap, really. So I definitely did that myself for about 18 months to two years of getting information, going on courses and um, listening to other people's journeys probably as well myself. Um, But then I suppose I'd learn about the rent to rent model because, to be honest, I didn't really have a lot of money to start with. I work as a physio full time. Um, I don't really have a lot of savings. Had maybe a couple of thousand in the bank for savings wise, and um, really there wasn't many other models that I could use in terms of investing in property because obviously you need quite a large deposit to put down to actually buy properties, and I just had a few a few grand really. So um, that started me looking at the rent to rent strategy, and. Um, then I personally like the HMO strategy, which is the houses of multiple occupation. So they're sort of multi-let student type houses, simply because um, since I was 18, I've lived in them myself. <laughs> so I literally went to uni and lived in multi-let houses there. Um, and then from there, when I started working as a physio, I equally lived in one student let, well, sorry, not student let, but multi-let house to the, to the next, really. So... Over the last um, sort of 11 years, I've lived, I think the actual figure is something like 36 different HMOs I've lived in. Wow. So I think I know potentially what the what the tenant would like as being a tenant in lots of different HMOs myself. Um, obviously, I didn't really earn a massive wage as a physio, so that was my only option in terms of housing um, and having bills included and stuff. And equally, I've met some really nice people that I've lived with and stuff like that. So... I just felt like the strategy would work best for me as I sort of knew that very well, if that makes sense. Wow, Um, HMO connoisseur. (laughs) Yeah, basically. I've got way too much experience of being in them. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I just thought I'd use that to my advantage, really. So, um, yeah, I just knew what people might want in HMOs and how what good landlords are, really, and how you want them to be responsive and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just started on that track. Um, I did actually get myself a mentor. Because I think it's it's making yourself accountable for me that's the problem. And especially when you're working full time and obviously your job is what's keeping a roof over your head. Um, you've got to also make extra time now in your life to get on the phone to agents and to make a proactive effort to start your own business, which is really hard on the side. So, um, yeah, I got myself a mentor and I just started it two years ago now in like, um, February of 2021. So yeah, I um, I was really sort of motivated at the time because um, in my physio sort of career, I was really, really looking forward to taking on this dream job in the February time, which was based in Sheffield. And I was going to be rehabilitating people that have had spinal cord injuries. So people that have become paralyzed from their oh, spinal wow. cord. Um, and it's an area that I really like working in and I've worked in before. Um, but basically, I started the job and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I was so excited about it. Um, so, what did you hate about it out of interest? 
what I hated about it, it was COVID times in the NHS. So this was really not great times to start a new job for sure. Um, but people did not like me from the day one that worked at that department simply because I'd worked in the National Spinal Injury Centre and another spinal injuries unit. And I had quite a lot of ideas and things that I'd used with patients before that had worked really well and lots of equipment that could be used and lots of just I'm quite innovative probably as a person um, and I brought those ideas to the table and I got a very frosty response basically um, but equally all I wanted was the patients to do well and the patients to get the best care but they do not want to hear my ideas and they do not want me to to bring them to the table so um, it's a shame you hear that a lot in companies don't don't you where you, you, you come in with fresh ideas and the whole point of you as the NHS or, or you as that department is to obviously improve the lives of these individuals and you're just coming up with ideas and kind of and they've kind of seen as you've come in and upset upset the apple cart which is a shame because yeah you know, you, the, the whole point is as a team you thought you'd all be putting together for this one single objective right yeah absolutely and patient care should be first first and foremost and I've seen some really good things like using the hydrotherapy pool and using different standing frames of the patients and I was prepared to go and fund put just giving pages out and try and fund some better facilities and they just did not want to know basically so I just found it very frustrating and the job was advertised as um uh basically like a ward type physio but actually what they wanted me to do was cover some of the nursing tasks like the dressing the patients and basically their staffing issues was reflective of me coming in and being basically an extra nurse on the ward and I didn't train to be a nurse I trained to be a physio and I trained to do rehab with patients and that's what I get the reward from doing so I was just really gutted uh, that that job that I'd waited about two and a half years for it to come up as well so um I was yeah that was like a a moment in my life when I just thought I can't carry on doing this and and I don't want to be here and I, I was pretty miserable at that point so um I did leave that job after just being there two weeks which is probably one of the shortest jobs of my life um but it, it honestly propelled me into being like what else are you gonna do Suze what you need to you need to think what the next plan is here so um yeah I started the business literally the next week that's that's why I started really so yeah yeah that's how it all came about interesting it's it's a shame isn't it I think a lot of people do the same thing where they they'll have this goal or this objective of or in a year's time I'll get a promotion and then I'll be happy or in a year's time I'll do this and then I'll be happy and it's always kind of delayed gratification and they get to that certain point and either it hasn't fulfilled them in the which ways that they thought it would or the goalposts have moved or you know other things might have gone awry or gone wrong and it can I can I can imagine being quite gutting and quite disheartening and those sort of things but I talk about this as well in terms of the baptism of fire and actually if that job was <clears throat> if it wasn't so shit and it was like it was bearable it was okay yeah. you probably wouldn't have stepped into property because you're yeah, like you're right. you know what was- this is this is just enough of a less of a shit to kind of be worth sticking at but because it was so bad you're like no this is my boundary this where I draw a line and I need to figure out what I want to do next which which is interesting totally it was the final straw and um I'd probably not been fulfilled with physio for a while before that as well so it was just literally the final straw to be honest and um yeah it's funny that different life events lead you down different paths at the end of the day so yeah it's good Nice. So how did you, what was the next steps then? So obviously you've left this job, you hated it. Obviously then there must be concerns. You still got rent to pay, you got bills going out, etc. You now start this property business. Run me through kind of what you did um, after that. Did you kind of sink all your time to property or did you kind of get another job to give you a bit of security while you then started pursuing this property career or, or, or what was your plan? So I, previous to that, was doing something called like agency or locum physio. So basically I had an agent, they would find me a contract in a hospital, maybe covering someone's maternity leave or sick leave or, you know, staff that are waiting to come into post and things like that. So I had been doing that for quite a while before I got this job. Um, so I got back to my agent and was like, whoops, I need to really get a job. <laughs> and um, so they luckily lined me up with a job in Doncaster, um, working with patients with neurological problems, so like brain and spinal injuries. So that's an area that obviously 
I enjoy working in. So um, I was really grateful for that. And um, I started working there straight away. And it was a six week contract um, that's now been an over two year contract. I am still in that job. Oh, wow. <laughs> because COVID times, the waiting lists are uh, a bit crazy. So I'm still doing that job and I'm doing it um, full time. Um, because obviously you've got to keep a roof over your head. Um, and I don't have any other sort of support. And like I said, I didn't really have a lot of savings. So, um, yeah, I went and got a physio job and then I started with the mentor then. So in terms of the property stuff, I was just really, really determined to make this work because I just felt like it was my only path out of physio really at the time. And I was a bit fed up of doing it. So, um, I was quite relentless at the start and um, I was on the phones to agents ringing them. I was being a right pest, to be honest, (laughs) but I was like, I need to prove to everyone I can do this as well. That's sort of probably what was at the back of my mind. Um, So anyway, I just, I think I rang 246 phone calls it took over over a month because obviously I was working and things. So it was averaging about 20 phone calls a day, I think. And um, I then got my first yes. So I had um, this agent that I'd rung say, yeah, actually, someone's just handed two sets of keys in for two of our HMOs. Um, Would you be interested in them? And I was like, yes, (laughs) please. So, yeah, I was uh, I was really chuffed. So that took me a month, really, after starting starting off. And then. um, I got my first two together and I was like, oh God, I was panicking then because obviously it's completely new to you and you're thinking, I'm guaranteeing this rent for a landlord and am I going to be able to fill these houses? And it was still like half in a lockdown at this point as well. So people weren't really going to, you know, going out for to bars or shops were still closed and life wasn't normal at this point as well. Mm. So um, yeah, I was very terrified at the time of signing these five-year agreements to landlords and saying, oh, I'll, I'll make sure I fill these HMOs and, and it'll be fine and I know what I'm doing. And yeah, it was a bit crazy if I look back, but I just I just got my balls out, to be honest with you. And I just was like, right, I need to do this. So I've just got to give it my all. So Nice, good on you. I think when you look back and you kind of realise, well, what's the alternative, right? You've got to take that leap of, leap of faith at some point. Otherwise, you're just going to sit and stay in the same position that you've always been in unless you're willing to, to at some point take that jump. And uh, one of my previous mentors talks a lot about kind of activity creates opportunity. And that's kind of a great example there where, you know, you've made 246 calls or, or whatever you said there. And again, it's kind of that that push and that drive to, to want to change. And some people can, again, look at property and go, oh, yeah, I'll be interested in property. I, I might call one agent or, or two yeah, agents. Yeah. They said no. And at least I've tried and right back back to, you know, my nine to five or back to whatever. Um, but it just goes to show that if you're serious about this, you have to put the work in, the time in and, and equally make those phone calls, which I think, again, when you're starting out can be quite scary when you're picking up the phone. You, you're not too sure what you're really talking about or yeah. you know, you're not too sure what questions are going to be asked. But once you've had the phone call five times, 10 times, 15 times, usually you can kind of predict what questions they're going to ask. You don't need the flow of the conversation. You feel a lot more not only confident but competent in what you're delivering as well. Yeah, definitely. And then it wasn't until I actually started delivering it that I then was even more confident to say, well, this is what I'm already doing. Whereas those first ones, you're like, you've got no experience, really, have you? Apart from me living in them, but they don't really care about mm-hmm. that. Well, it's imposter um, syndrome, so, isn't it? You're, you're trying to get them yeah. on board with something that you haven't yet done. But as soon as you've got that one case study or two case studies, you're like, right, I've got proof of concept. I'm doing this. I know exactly what I'm doing you know, to some degree. And so you feel, and I think a lot of people can pick up in the way you convey your message and your body language as well, because they go, oh, this person's obviously delivering what they're doing, they're experiencing what they're doing, and therefore I feel more comfortable. And so your yes rate would probably increase exponentially. Yeah, yeah. And it did really, because I'd I'd put the groundwork in with the calls. Um, So then what happened was um, I had um, an agent in Leeds that, um, I'd viewed a few properties with them and things from that came from these calls, but I put some offers in and they were like, oh, no, no. Like, you know, you're going to need to renegotiate these and I'm back and forth on emails. And then I'm like, well, it doesn't stack if I go any higher with these. So I'm just going to have to keep my offer in as it is. And I was a bit like, OK, fine. 
And then it got to um, the changeover in Leeds is like 1st of July, basically, for, for most of the housing. So um, it got to like end of June and I get a call from the agent um, saying, oh, Susie, is, is, does your office still stand? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, of course it does, please. <laughs> Obviously at this point I'm like, ah, he's talking to me, he remembers my name, like that's amazing. So, um, yeah, I, I then took on my third one and then... Um, the next one happened the same summer. So I think I picked up the first two sets of keys in the March of 2021. And then I picked up the next set, like beginning of July. And then um, I was actually at my sister's wedding uh, in the August that year. Uh, I was a bridesmaid for and everything. And we were in um, Yorkshire Dales and the, the signal was really poor where we were. But I just ended up picking this voicemail up from the same agent whilst I was like trying to do my duties. <laughs> For the day for my sister and um yeah he said oh we've got another one we've got another one do you want it and I was like ah I can't even ring this guy because I'm busy and I, like it's probably gonna go and I was like overthinking that really whilst this whole thing was going on but anyway I said I'll be back on Monday can I can I view it then so um yeah that was then my fourth one so um yeah it just all sort of kicked off that summer really and it was it was great it was, nice. I was on the right, right high it was amazing Nice. No, that, that's really positive. That's good to hear. So run us through it then. So for the people that are kind of listening that aren't really um, or, or, or don't really know what rent to rent is or kind of new to the concept, you want to kind of run them through a little bit about what rent to rent is, the reasons why you decided to start with rent to rent, um, the contracts in terms of you can said the five year contract and then perhaps some kind of the, the cash flow or the, the benefits of what you're doing with rent to rent now. Yeah, so I think going to why we why I started rent to rent really is like I was saying earlier that if you have if you wanted to buy a buy to let property then you'd need a 25% deposit to put down and I really didn't have that money um so I only started with three thousand pounds basically is all I had as savings that I'd saved from being a physio really so I felt that that was the entry point for rent to rent so when it comes to rent to rent, um, you're not obviously owning the property, you're renting the property off the landlord. So basically, you're then putting up front, say, the first month's rent and the last month's rent or a deposit amount and the first month's rent. And sometimes you can even negotiate a rent free period and things. So you basically your entry level is, you know, a couple of thousand really to put your, your deposit money up and your first month's rent forwards. So I sort of had that and that was the only thing I could work with. So that was really my, it was entry level for me that I could just get get into it really. Um, so what it is, rent to rent HMO, is that the landlord has like a, a multi-let property that's got a license already in place. And that's how I sort of work with my business is that there has to be licenses in place for lots of HMOs nowadays. It does depend on their location, but there is Article 4 um, about planning permission and whether you can use them for for multi-let properties and room by room basis so you've got to obviously know the legislation and stuff that's around but basically the the landlord needs to obtain the license and then he's renting them or her renting it on a room by room basis so I come along and say to the landlord that I will guarantee his rent for the next three to five years um, and give him x amount of rent per month um, and what I'll do for the landlord is I will take over the management of the tenants I'll put in a fortnightly cleaner that'll maintain the property and I'll just deal with all the aggro that comes with managing tenants because when you've got six people in one house, there's always going to be drama. Um, and I know that myself from living in them. So yeah, I basically allow a bit more of a passive income for the landlord so they can, um, you know, potentially go and sit on a beach in Barbados and know that that income's coming in every month without any having to pick up the phone to any tenant problems, really. So that's what I'm sort of giving the landlord. Um, but also, I'm a bit of a, I like interior designs. So um, I also add, add value to their property, really. So I go in there and I spruce it up, really, and, and try and make it marketable for people, for just n- nice places where people want to live, because we all want, you know, a nice clean environment and freshly painted. It's it's just a lot nicer for people. So I go in there and, and add value really to their property and help them out because quite a lot of the time they're tired landlords. They've they've you know they've been doing it for twenty years or so. 
Um, they're just so fed up of hearing the, the tenants moan at them and they've not been in there and updated maybe the furniture or, you know, given it a decoration for quite a few years and it's looking really a bit a bit gross. So I'll go in there and, and spruce it up for them as well. So that's what else I do. So, yeah, that's sort of the rent-to-rent HMO model. Um, how, how it ends up being a win-win situation, obviously it's a win for the landlord in terms of them having a bit more of a passive income and um, being able to just relax that I've got control of their property, basically. Um, but in order for the business to be a business, basically, how we sort of work it out is that we sort of, we don't obviously give the landlord the the full maximum rent, but we take on the bills for the landlord as well, which obviously at the moment has been a bit hit and miss with the energy prices and things, and we've had to adjust some of the rents accordingly. But um, we basically, you know, make a profit margin really out of out of the rents that you, you're getting in so it just makes it worthwhile to be doing that management for for the landlord really so sometimes people work out on like a room by room basis that they might take like a hundred pound per room so it might be 600 pound for a six bed um but yeah it just depends on on what the property is and where it is and what the tenant type is as well to be honest um we generally do um professional laps really um we do have some sort of post-grad students um but generally we cater more for the professional market and i as being an nhs worker i do try and prioritize getting nhs stuff in and i do advertise to local hospitals and things as well so yeah nice i guess being part of the nhs you have a bit of an in there don't you where you can obviously try and get some of them on board. In terms yeah. of the um, students, I take it you don't touch the student market because there was obviously that kind of gap between one student leaving during the academic year, another group coming in, and then you don't want to be kind of tied in with that rent roll during that, yeah, um, during that period. Yeah, you know it's not anything anything massive, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm not discriminating against the students. I've been one myself, but um, I just find that... Um, you either do one or the other, I suppose, because I think when you've got professionals that are working and you had like one or two students in there, then they're wanting to be up until two, three o'clock in the morning having a party or, you know, making loads of noise and putting loud music on, which I was a student too. So that's absolutely fine. We've all been there. But, yeah, exactly. But I think it just doesn't gel when you when you make that mix in a house. And yeah. I want people to be comfortable where they live because that's really important, isn't it, that they are all in a similar mindset and you know what I want people to make friends in in the houses they live in really because that's where I made a lot of friends myself to be fair so um yeah I just try and get a similar mix of people um and I suppose just probably the timings that I picked up the houses because it was all throughout different parts of the year I think I just ended up with professionals more than anything and and more like post-grad students a couple of master's students and things like that okay how do you find system. managing your time then? Obviously, you work nine to five, you're doing a couple of rent to rents as well. Are they quite labour intensive in terms of, you know, Steve's trunk my milk and you've got to go sort it out? Or is it kind of relatively hands off and equally in terms of the, the tenant uh, cycle, as you said there, that you're in 36, there must be like a lot of tenants coming and going. And does that yeah, take a bit of your time? Yeah. Can run us through a bit of that. Do you know what? I have an amazing cleaner slash friend that helps me out with this business and his name's Chris and I met him a few years ago and when I started the business he was like oh that sounds amazing and he was so supportive from day one and he said oh Suze could I can I like clean your properties for you and I, it was a bit of a shock I was like well yeah of course you can like if you want to like I always I really need to clean it that'll be amazing so um he really helps me out because yes I do work full-time still and yeah it was a lot of running around especially the setup of properties you know they do advertise it when they do these mentorships as a passive income it is not passive (laughs) guaranteed it is not passive there's always something going on but saying that it's not a nine-to-five job it's it's a few hours a week of maybe running back and forth or dealing with with them you know changeovers or dealing with any problems and things like that so it, it is different but um yeah it it was very full-on let's be honest um but yeah I do have Chris who helps me out so he goes into the properties fortnightly to do the clean but equally what I'll try and do is if there's any tenant changeovers for example or viewings or problems then he is amazing and he'll he will do some viewings for me at the property at the same time or he might pop in and out of and go and check 
the heating system or go in and check bits and pieces that need that needed sorting out during the day which is really really helpful so I'm so grateful to have him helping me out with it um so yeah that's sort of how I end up managing it a bit, bit easier really nice that, um, that, that's positive we talk a lot about power team don't we and how it's good to have your builder and your architect and this that and the other but actually it just goes to show that obviously cleaners agents and all these other professionals that you can bring into your power team that can assist you in many different ways yeah absolutely oh, he's an absolute dream and um I, i'm really grateful for all his help so what would you recommend then in terms of distance with these rent to rents by sounds like you've moved quite a lot in terms of your job in terms of 36 hmos what i'm guessing unless you met loads of different groups that you didn't like yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So i'm assuming you, you moved a, a lot around and so uh, I take it obviously you've been based in Doncaster now. Are these rent to rents in Doncaster? And how no, no, far no, no. I, don't, I don't live in Doncaster. I live in Leeds. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I live in Leeds and I have um, four rent to rent HMOs in Leeds. Okay. Um, but I work and commute to Doncaster. So, obviously, that's difficult with tenant problems that aren't close by. Um, and I, I also have um, a rent to rent in, <clears throat> sorry, in Leicester that I manage. So um, that one, I was umming and ahhing for a while about taking that one on, obviously being a bit further away. It's probably about a good two hours, two and a half from Leeds. Mm. Um, but I was sold that deal by um, a guy that was in the network and the mentorship that I was on. And, um, yeah, basically, the setup of it obviously took time. And that one was a little bit slower to tenant than the ones in Leeds. The demand in Leeds was really, really good, I realised, because I would fill the rooms within about a week, really, with all of the oh, wow. ones I got. Whereas when I got to Leicester, I'd, I'd done up the property. Um, and I always, like, do go all out on the done-up thing. Like, I really play with colours and I um, I try and, yeah, just make it as good as I can, really, with, with what I've got. And then... Um, yeah, it took about a month and a half, really, to fill the Leicester rooms, and it was a six-bed property. So that was a bit scary at the time, because I was thinking, oh, does Leicester not really work for this? And, you know, it was hard to go after work from Doncaster and drive to Leicester and then drive back home. And it was tiring at that point, because I was doing a lot of, a lot of driving, really. So, um, yeah, it was hard, but equally, once it's filled then generally all six don't move out at the same time, thank God. So you end up just then filling a room, if that makes sense, as opposed to filling a whole house, which is a lot easier really to manage. And then luckily you've got tenants in there and most of them have met you from when you've showed them around. And I've been quite lucky in that the tenants have helped me out then with viewings or with, with other things that need to be done. So I do have that one, which is further away and I'm finding it, so far quite okay to manage because it you know i can drive there whenever i need to but equally um the people can video me with the problems you know and i can do like an amazon prime if the toaster blowed up like it did or you know i can i can get things to them probably quicker than i could do getting in a car sometimes and, and going to ikea for example so mm. yeah i am um, i'm managing that one okay so far hopefully i haven't jinxed myself there <laughs> nice touch wood touch wood so I always find it interesting where, especially for uh, HMOs, where the landlord will then kind of interview one or two tenants and they'll kind of come and view, etc. But actually, for an easy life, it makes sense that the tenants that are currently living there to then obviously meet and essentially interview the, the new individuals coming in because there's already that kind of subculture within that house, right? And so yeah. the landlord who's, who doesn't live there, and obviously you, you've worked, lived in many of these, so you'll know as well, where the landlord doesn't know best because they don't know the culture, they don't know the people in the house, they don't know the group dynamics. And yeah. actually the people that are already living there are best to, to make that decision as to who's going to come and live with them, right? And that yeah. just helps in long-term retention. Absolutely. I want them to gel. I want them to all get on. So, yeah, if they make the choice that, oh, so-and-so came and looked around and we really like them, I'm more than happy. You know, obviously, as long as they reference, okay, then that's absolutely fine by me. I want them, I want them to be happy where they live and live with people like-minded. So, yeah, that's really important. Nice. So it obviously varies area to area in the type of demographics that you're going for and the size of HMO and stuff. But for rent-to-rent, -rent, do you kind of have uh, – 
a minimum for this to obviously be worth your while? Is there anything that you'd advise to people listening to this? So um, in terms of minimums, I don't find that the four-bed properties really stack up as a deal. Um, and that's when it becomes quite tricky because I have been offered a few in the past. And then I've, I've put my offer forwards to the landlord of what I could pay them in rent. And it just it just doesn't work for them, really. Yeah. So I would say the five, six and seven bed houses probably work best um, for the rent to rent HMO strategy. If you're going higher than that, and there is like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 bed HMOs out there, then that's brilliant. But obviously the risk involved in that is, is greater in the sense that you've got to now fill all 12 rooms and are they all going to get on 12 people? Yeah. And also, <laughs> you know, there'll always be people moving in and out because that's life. So then you've got to continue to replenish 12 people, which is which is hard work, really. So, um, yeah, I'd advise going towards the five, six and seven beds as, um, as a starting point for sure. Mm, yeah, I can imagine the turnover on a, on a 12 bed or a 15 bed or whatever, obviously being far higher. And so actually, as you kind of said about passive income, it's probably more passive to take on a six or seven or, or take on two sixes as yeah. opposed to one large 12. Yeah, absolutely. It just it just spreads the risk, I suppose, a little bit as well. Like, and you know, it, it's twelve people getting on as well. If I think about it myself, in that living situation, is you know, <laughs> people. The more in a house, then the more more problems and drama. I feel there is, to be honest, because there's more people to create it. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, you've got to just um, be sensible about that, haven't you? So. For my own nosiness more than anything then, so run us through some stories. I'm sure that you've obviously been in a lot of HMOs, as you said. And what's interesting is, and what's nice is, I think a lot of people get into property and go, right, I want to get into HMOs because it's good cash flow, uh, the returns are better than buy-to-let, etc. But some people that have never lived in a HMO don't really understand the market or the people that they're trying to facilitate or or attract essentially but obviously you've been there done that got the t-shirt and so you can kind of advise or not only probably other people but obviously you've got a good understanding yourself as to what makes a good hmo and so i'm sure you've probably got a couple of stories over your your time in hmos um yeah interested to hear maybe give us some good bad and ugly ones (laughs) i mean to be honest i I probably moved on before it got to a proper story, I think, because I, I did move. Like I said, I lived in about 36 in the end in the 11 years. So if there was any drama starting, I probably ended up moving on, to be honest. But obviously, everyone's different personalities. And in this world, we're not we're not bound to get on with absolutely everyone, are we? You know, there's going to be people that you clash with and there's going to be little niggles that people do, like not doing their washing up for about a week and just being a bit gross um with the cleaning really is always a bit of bit grim isn't it when you're sharing with other people Mm. um but no I've probably had more drama with my own tenants than in my own house shares I think if it became dramaful or there was an atmosphere which sometimes there is like living with other other women you know women can be bitchy and you know you can end up feeling like you you know you you're treading on someone's shoes or you're having to creep around the house and be quiet or you know I lived in an attic room whereby just me walking to the ensuite was like an elephant walking on the ceiling for my other tenant that would tell me every morning to shut up but I obviously just needed to use the bathroom so that was yeah this this you know it's just little niggles isn't it really but um mm. yeah I did, not anything massive in in terms of of the houses I lived in really I think I got on fairly well with most people but obviously people grind on you over a period of time don't they and that's just bound to happen yeah, yeah. it's it's okay you can share the gossip once we stop recording <laughs> wish I'd cool. want to be fair <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, we've been over rent to rent let's move into the HMO now so obviously you had a mentor for the rent to rent you've now yeah. kind of stepped up and started to look into HMO's opportunities you've Obviously, perhaps um, your income's at a decent level where you don't feel confident and competent to then start looking into HMOs. You've obviously managed tenants in terms of um, HMO tenants. And yeah. so all these things have come together now where you're like, you know mm-hmm. what, I, I now feel comfortable to pursue building up my own HMO portfolio. So run us through kind of how you found this opportunity. And obviously, you raised uh, finance or angel investors. Yeah. So maybe run us through kind of your first um, soiree into raising angel finance and yeah, kind of runs through a bit, a bit of that as well. 
Yeah, so um, the rents rents are amazing and really good for cash flow. But equally, I've just always dreamt of, of opening my own HMO, if I'm honest with you. That's always been the dream. Um, and yeah, I just don't really think it was going to be possible, to be honest, coming from where I came from. So how it all came about was I was doing some training, actually, for someone that was learning rent to rent HMO. And they put me in touch with um, the Prosperity Network, which is a group of property investors. Um, they meet up four times a year and network in Warrington. There'll be one this weekend, which I'm excited about. And oh, nice. basically, um, we all meet up and it's people doing stuff in property, but no one's talking about it anymore. Everyone's really, really active and doing like really big, exciting deals and raising um, private investor finance, really. So I started getting involved with this network, the Prosperity Network, and basically went along to a couple of their networking events and was just... You know, when you come away from something, you just feel completely like inspired by what other people are doing and thinking there's not a chance that I'll ever do this. But I'm like so in awe of what you've done, if that makes sense. So well, it's um, yeah. community, isn't it? As you kind of said there, going back to when you did that job for two weeks and you hated it, it's because that internal community didn't align with how you kind of saw yourself and and where you wanted to be you wanted somebody that was going to embrace your new ideas and be be a part of it and this is what I found from these sort of networking events where again you're with like-minded people that are ambitious and have new ideas and are creative and just a little bit different you kind of go oh I'm not the only one and those sort of things are are really inspiring but equally kind of motivational right as well to to keep you pushing forward motivating it was it was incredible and I was just like these people are so clever to structure this deal like this and to find that property and to get it below market value and to find this angel and then to pull all their money out and I was just like this is incredible what they're doing and I was definitely feeling like the 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 least smartest person in that room for sure imposter syndrome came back into play and um but I was really inspired and I was like I would love to get the opportunity to do this but obviously and I started I know I started with the HMO rent to rents but how do I get here? So yet again, I need another mentor. So I have Ruth Smith as my mentor and currently as my mentor through Prosperity Network. And she has years and years and years of experience um, up in Northern Ireland doing all sorts of money out deals. I don't think she's actually done a deal where she doesn't pull her money out. She's <laughs> incredible. So she um, is now my motivator and on my back, like I don't know what, but I love it. Um, so yeah, how it all came about next is that she sent me a challenge to be honest, and I needed it because she's like, you've you've been mentoring with me for like three months now, and you've not even bought a property yet, and this just isn't good enough. And I was like, ah, <laughs> okay. So she's like, right, you're gonna go out and you're gonna view ten properties in the next week, and you're gonna come back and and present me a, a deal, and I'm gonna buy it. That's literally what you're gonna do. So um, off I went and I managed to get a couple of offers accepted out of those 10 viewings and came back and she then said to me, this was totally a tactic at the start, but it was, uh, she said, uh, right, so I'm just going to buy this now and it's like, a, you know, it's a really good deal and are you jealous? And I was like, yeah, I'm really jealous. <laughs> I said, yeah, I really like that house and it'll be a really good deal. And you're in Northern Ireland, I'm, I'm like, you know, in England and, and she was like, good, I'm glad you're jealous because you're taking it on. And I was like, <laughs> how How am I going to do this, Ruth? How the hell am I going to do this? Um, and she was like, you're going to raise the finance and you're going to buy this property. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'll am try. I'll, I will literally try. So I reached out on social media, actually. Um, and I, I just did a post saying if someone wants to invest X amount of money for X amount of returns, and um, yeah, someone private messaged me and said, yeah, basically, I'm really interested. And then we, we got discussing it further. And yeah, they've invested. So was this um, somebody that you knew beforehand? Or was it somebody just within the network? Or It was within the network of the Prosperity okay. Network. Um, so I'd met them a few times at the networking events. Um, I wouldn't say that like, we'd had more than maybe a 10 minute discussion. Sure. So 
really, you know, it's not someone I'd say that's close to me, but equally someone that maybe has followed what I'm doing or can see that I'm active uh, in property. And do you know what? I'm so grateful that they believe in me. And well, I, I believe in myself, but it's nice when people, you know, yeah, think, of okay, course. She, she's got this, she can do it. So, yeah. It just goes great. to show, though, that, right, that you don't know who you're having a conversation with and rubbing shoulders with. And that's why it's just so important to network and equally tell everyone who you are and what you're doing because if people don't know and if you're not posting on Facebook or having these conversations then people can't invest in you because they obviously don't know what you're up to so yeah yeah, it's important to kind of rub shoulders and tell everyone what you're doing yeah and do you know what I just love meeting new people anyway and I can just talk to anyone so um that's probably the nature of being a physio and talking to strangers every day I can sit in someone's house and have an after for hours but um (laughs) yeah (laughs) I um yeah, I just, I just was, I was shocked, but I was also like, okay, Ruth was right, this works, and I can do it, and yeah, it's, um, it's exciting, really, I'm just so excited to get the keys in my hand, because it's now just a bit of a process in, in, in play now, so yeah. Nice, so run us through the pamphlet then, so you, keys are, aren't in hand yet, so you're going through legals right now, right? Yeah, so I'm going through legals right now, but... Okay. This property is um is a seven bed property up in Hartlepool, um and it's currently a residential property and it is huge. It's like a, a mid Victorian terrace property. The ceilings are so huge. I'm definitely not getting a ladder myself to, to paint those. Um, so yeah, it's it just basically I met the landlord um and the owner of the property because it was actually on purple bricks. This one, so nice. um he did the viewing for me and um. Unfortunately, he's going through a divorce and he just really, he'd been renting out the property for ages. The people, the tenants in it before had actually ripped all the fireplaces off the property. It was really sad. And all the TVs that he'd installed on the walls, they'd basically ruined the place for him. It's, it's, I don't even understand how people do that. But yeah, he was, he was pretty good about that. And um, yeah, I just basically had a bit of a chat with him on the viewing um, and just said like, it is a, it is a stunning property. The staircases are beautiful and it's got all the Victorian features. And um, I just said I was really interested and I'll do the figures and get back to him about it. So I did. And, um, yeah, he accepted my offer of um, 122000 which was a little bit below asking price, but not a lot. And then, um, yeah, the plan with this one is that I'm going to be purchasing it subject to planning permission. Okay. So what I've now done is um, I've got the architects round and the planning department round the property. Um, they've all done the drawings and stuff. And we've done um, a proposal to change the use of the property to the council. So what that means is it's currently a residential property, which is classed as a C3 use. Um, but I'm now going to be trying to change it to a, a, a sui generis, which is a commercial property. Um, so the planning permissions need to go in because what I'm obviously intending to do with the property is to rent the seven bedrooms out individually um, and then get a HMO license with the council as well. So, um, yeah, basically the the council currently have the application in hand. Um, so I'm on about week three of waiting. They say six to eight weeks. So I'm now in the pestering stage with the council. So literally, fingers crossed that it might be passed. I, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining they'll come back and contest something, but I'm hoping eventually it'll get passed and I can purchase it. Obviously, in the meantime, I'm, I'm communicating with um, the vendor and, and I've been back and forth with a building team last on Monday this week. Um, and I've got, um, I'm just trying to keep everyone happy in this in this mix, really, so I can I can go forward with it. So, yeah, that's the plan. Nice. Yeah, it's important to keep everyone in the loop on that sort of journey. So, yeah, it sounds like you're at an exciting point. So I take it, obviously, fingers crossed, you get the planning permission. You obviously then get the, the Surrey Gen and then obviously the refurbs would start to commence. Yeah. And then obviously you'd look to get a, a commercial valuation and fingers crossed you're able to pull all your money out or, or there or thereabout. Yeah, that is the plan, really. Yeah. Nice. So a sort of purchase so- price looking at... Uh, 122 uh, refurb costs sort of looking between 60 to 70,000 and then um, commercial valuation should be about 240 250 
Yeah, that, and what that's sort of rent roll would you be looking at? Something like that. Um, so you mean annual or monthly or? Uh, either or. Let's go um, annual. So it's four hundred pound per room times seven. So it's two thousand eight hundred um, a month, and then obviously taking off your mortgage and your bills and whatever. It, you know, it's, it should be a fairly decent cash flow, really. That one. So yeah, it's um, it's exciting and. I just hope it all goes to plan, which I know it probably won't because it's property. And yeah, you know, I'm quite realistic that there'll be a hurdle, but um, I hope I get the planning at least. That would be great. Nice. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's always part of firefighting, part of the process. So in terms of costing up the renovation, how did that go about? Did you kind of go in, do, do you have a local builder, part of your kind of contacts or do, did you yeah, kind of go yes. around and kind of price it up or how did that all come about? So this is when Prosperity Network again is just been my saviour because um, I don't I don't live in Hartlepool I don't know anyone from Hartlepool um, so I just yet again reached out on the Prosperity Network Facebook group for anyone that might know someone and what's ended up coming back to me is a friend of a friend of a friend basically that's um, actually bought the property on the opposite side of the road on the same street and done oh, wow. the same thing that I'm doing with it which is so weird, isn't it, to finally, to get that <laughs> that contact. So I met up with him on Monday and he was telling me all about tenanting his and all the all the refurb on his. And he's got a power team there because he's from Hartlepool and he's, he's got a few on the street. So it's just, it's been through three people in the network. That's how I've managed to find it. And, and nice. obviously you've got to do your due diligence on people. So I've been to his property to have a look at his refurb really and to see what work's been done and... And stuff like that so yeah nice well there you go so will he be project managing it for you will he or yeah that's the plan yeah so um obviously i'm still working full time so it's it's quite t- tricky I'll, I'll probably end up going there uh up there every week anyway but um yeah that's the plan he's going to project manage and he's got the building team that he already uses down there so that'll be brilliant that'll be really helpful nice so I know that you're into interior design as well. Run me through, and I'm I'm always interested to hear more about this because some people kind of go, you know what, this is a money making machine. The less money I put into it, the better. Yeah. Um, and equally, the uh, you know, if a tenant damages something, then boom, new lick of paint or new vinyl floor or whatever, happy days. But some people kind of go the other way and go, no, actually, if we create a, a high-quality place, then we're going to attract high-quality tenants. We can then charge a, a higher price, therefore a greater return on investment, etc. So those people, they're, they're, there's no right or wrong to this. Obviously, it depends on the demographic you're kind of tr- trying to case towards and equally your uh, what, what also you internally are trying to achieve as well. But kind of interested to hear your... Uh, take on that obviously you've seen a lot of hmos and again i'm sure you've seen some nice hmos <laughs> and equally probably seen some ones that you know you might want not want to go back to let's say yeah so uh, yeah can <laughs> be interested your thoughts um do you know what everyone wants to live in a nice place like full stop don't they no, no one wants yeah. to live in 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 a, in a squatter's place um and you know there's a certain standard of living that we should all live in in the uk you know we're in a first world country here and we should all you know, have somewhere clean and safe and warm. Um, you know, that that's generally how it should be. So I suppose in terms of interiors, I think to myself, you know, when I'm looking on spare room myself for all those years where I'm looking for a house share, um, I'm looking for a, probably a bio that says, um, looking to make friends, if I'm honest. You know, it's actually maybe one of the tenants that's written it and said, you know, my housemate's going traveling and we need an extra person. We we like going to gigs and we like going out for food. And that would probably be what I first looked at on, on an advert, if I'm honest, because I want to make mm-hmm. friends. And then the second thing I would look for would just be that it's actually nice and clean and got something about it. I mean, how many whitewashed walls, double beds that aren't like made, you know, just a mattress that probably has a bit of, maybe even staining on it, let's be yeah. honest, from a HMO. Um, how many of those pictures do you see on a spare room advert? Like, just millions, to be honest. It's just really not inventive and doesn't mm. stand out in any sense, does it really? It's just got the furniture and the mattress and a white wall. And, yeah, okay, it's a blank canvas. And 
when I go in there and I live in those places, you know, I'm definitely putting some colour in the room. Um, but obviously you're a bit limited when you're renting as to what, how much colour you can put in. But I think I just, that's the part I really enjoy, to be honest, Tom. I really like making it look pretty. Like, that's just really important for me. So um, I like to be quite bold with my colour schemes. Um, and I like to put, like, cool prints on the walls. And I like to... Um, I definitely put bedding on. Uh, I put like a plant in the room in every room. I put some good lighting in there because the last thing you want is like your bright light and you're trying to like read a book or in bed and, you know, you've got to get the lighting right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just make it feel homely. That's all I'm doing. Um, but equally, I'm, it's, I want to feel like it's somewhere that I would I would stay. That's probably my standard, actually, is that I would go yeah. and think, I'd live in this room because it, it's really cosy and it's really nice and it's clean and this is where I feel like I could be at home. So, yeah. Yeah, what, what you just said there is kind of getting the fundamentals right. Like, I yeah. think some people kind of go completely over the top and they'll overspend and it'll kind of be a labour of love and other people, as I kind of said there, will just be white or magnolia walls and yeah, yeah. basics. But when you think of a spare room, again, you probably you probably got several tens twenties thirties the amount of rooms and pictures of the same kind of mattress the same sort of rooms yeah. the same sort of color scheme I and you think, well, how can i stand out and kind of getting as you just said there, a few few plants some made beds some nice um you know wall murals some good lighting etc again just kind of getting the fundamentals right can actually make uh, a yeah, huge change when kind of filling rooms and the fact that you filled a lot of your rooms within a couple of weeks kind of obviously showcases that yeah, definitely. And it, it doesn't actually cost a lot of money. You know, um, I've, I've still got all the stuff in my garage right now and I've got absolutely gallons of it now. But basically, you know, I would spend on a five or a six bed HMO. And I mean, the whole HMO, you know, £900, you know, on on redecorating and staging. Um, so me and my mum, and honestly, she's amazing. She was supporting me from day one too would go in and we would redecorate a six-bedroom HMO in in three days. Wow. We would just get the paintbrushes out. She'd do all the cutting in and the edging because she's the detail person. I've got the roller and I'm just going for it. And she's doing the finishing touches because I don't have the patience for that, to be honest with you. And then um, onto the next room, onto the next room. And we would just... We were just a great power team, to be fair, and that's what we do together. So £900 is not a lot of money, and you definitely get a good return on your investment for that. Um, mm. And it just, bit of colour, bit of bedding, you know, it's not expensive. You know, I was going to Asda Home, I love Asda Home, um, B&M, Home Bargains, uh, Dunelm, you know, I just spend a lot of time in there just getting some nice little bits. And then you can recycle these bits, let's be honest, because... You know, the tenants don't necessarily want to keep the bedding and they want to bring their own bedding. Um, and, you know, bits and pieces in the room like, oh, I don't really like that print. Can you just take it out? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, whatever you want. Um, so then I've got like bits and pieces ready to stage the next one and stage the next one. And, you know, I enjoy doing that. I'm, I enjoy making it look nice and I enjoy making it a home for people. Nice. Yeah, I think you just made a good point there as well. It's that kind of forward investment that you kind of have it. You then obviously take the photos and people then obviously move in and, and stage it and dress it as they so wish. And then you've got those items, be it the plants, be it the bedding, which you can then use onto the next one. So run me through for people that are interested in getting to rent to rent, kind of break down how much you think that they'll actually need to start with. So obviously, as you just said there, around 900 quid in terms of staging it, making it look nice, yeah. getting it all sorted. Uh, you then obviously need a bit of money for legals, contracts. How much would you say that you need for something like that? So I sort of got that as part of my mentorship, to be honest. But okay. I suppose the compliance element is you need to set up a limited company. You'd need to be registered with the property redress scheme. You need some landlord insurance. You know, there's bits, you know, that you need to invest in before you start for your setup costs, I suppose. Yeah. So you probably need about seven, eight hundred pounds for that, I would say, to start with. Um, then you can start getting on the phones to agents and, and finding the deals and then once you're taking on your first deal i mean depends what part of the country i'm in leeds which the rents are definitely cheaper up here than london and like you know brighton and stuff but for me um 
I just needed like three thousand um, for like my first month's rent and my deposit for that one. But I imagine if you were down in London, you probably would need maybe about five thousand, I'd say, um, just because the rents are higher there. Um, sure. And then, yeah, on top of that, I then spent you know the nine hundred pound on the dressing and the staging on that property. So, yeah, I mean around five thousand. But bear in mind, if if there's a will, there's a way in life. And like I said, I started with with just the three thousand. But equally, you know, you, some people dare I say, you know, put a few bits on a credit card and the staging kit, and then pay that back the next month. Um, you know, some people have investors from day one that will, you know, invest and joint venture with them maybe, and and give them the five grand to get started. So. I think if you're determined and you know what you're doing, then mm. you can make it work, is what I'm saying, really. So, yes, probably about £5,000 you would need to start okay. off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. It's not kind of completely unobtainable, is it? It's yeah. kind of a nice target to have. Well, I'm always interested in these sorts of things because you're always sitting on the training and be no money down and kind of get yeah. started tomorrow and all this sort of stuff. And actually, I Absolutely. wanted something that can accurately demonstrate no actually to take this seriously you're going to need about you know four or five grand behind you to to actually kind of hit the ground running because i feel like some people will go oh no money down i'm going to do this be a you know you're fresh out of university you're a 21 year old student with no money or you know you've lost your job and you want to get involved in this sort of thing but actually it's kind of how many rarities of actually it might take you a month or two in terms of finding the opportunity getting the legals all agreed etc but then equally you probably need about four or five grand to get started as well yeah yeah definitely yeah that's right cool. no that, that that was really good that i've really enjoyed that conversation to be honest we kind of went through rent to rent went through your kind of process from uh nhs to then obviously scaling and, and moving into property and equally rubbing shoulders with different dynamics of people be it yeah. the tenants, but be, be it the property entrepreneurs as well. So wearing a few different hats from that side. And yeah, fingers crossed. Really excited to kind of see how your plan of permission turns out. I'll work yeah. it <laughs> We'll see. Uh, <laughs> if people wanted to get a hold of you, what would be the best way to do it? Kind of Instagram, Facebook, what sort? What, what yeah, do you go by? Yeah, really. Um, on Instagram, I'm Susie, which is spelled S-U-Z-I dot Morris property. And then, um, yeah, my, my name on Facebook, Susie Morris. So, yeah, um, feel free to add me. And if I can help on anyone's journey in any way, just let me know. Nice. No, that's really kind of you. I'll have to um, start charging Prosperity Network some sponsorship fees as well. <laughs> you will, to be fair. I don't mean to plug them, but they've actually really helped me. <laughs> I can't no, deny I'll, it. <laughs> I'm all for it. I, I think credit where credit's due. If people are doing things and delivering, I, I've no issue and that sort of stuff whatsoever so that's all good is yeah. there anything else that you wanted to cover before we shut off today um no not really i don't think i've started doing some coaching as well so if anyone doesn't need help with their journey and need to be made accountable then i'm, I'm there if you need me really nice is that just uh, rent to rent coaching or is that just kind of mindset mentorship or run through a little bit more about that it's um it's rent to rent HMO coaching because obviously I've been there I've done it I've got the t-shirt now and I feel competent enough to to deliver that and to help people on their journey with that really so I don't want to be delivering something that I haven't done before I think that's really important when it comes to a coach so yeah I um I've got um I've got one one current mentee at the moment that I'm, nice. I'm helping on their journey so it's all it's all just early days um. But yeah, I just want people to know that I'm out there doing that now as a new thing. And, you know, if, if they need my help with anything, then I yeah, reach, reach me, really. Good stuff. Exciting. And before you go, Rent to Rent SA, what are your thoughts? I love it as a strategy, again, really good for, yeah. you know, getting in with little money down. My concerns and worries on that one is um, it's a bit seasonal because it's, you know, serviced accommodation. Um, it's you need a little bit more money to get into it because, you know, you need to get a certain standard in terms of the dressing and the redecoration. And then obviously you've got to, it, you know, it's, it's a completely different business. It, it's, you know, it's sort of a hotel business in a sense, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're dealing with guests as opposed to tenants. So my other worry about it is probably the cleaning costs and the booking costs um, with the different platforms like booking.com and Airbnb. It's, you know, it will take off the profit margin a bit more. So, I find that I've chosen the HMO strategy just simply because it's a bit more consistent in terms of cash flow and 
and tenants, whereas yeah. the Airbnb, you know, you could maybe get a really amazing contractor booking for a couple of months, which would be the dream. But then, you know, potentially coming around November, October time, you might have an empty property maybe for a month. And I think it would add to my anxiety, really. So I, at the moment, you know, decided against that. But n- never say never. I, I'm, I'm tempted to try lots of different strategies, to be fair. Nice. So I guess, yeah, potentially kind of higher returns, but equally with that comes more risk, but yeah. equally as well, probably a bit more hands-on, like you said there, in terms of kind of the, the changeover as well. The HMOs, you might actually have tenants for far longer than actually yeah. they, they continue weekly to or fortnightly kind of changeovers that you'd usually see with a with a rent-to-rent on a, to SA, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, um, I went to Australia in um, February for a little treat, and uh, I actually airbnb my house out whilst I was away just to see, you know, does it work? Because, you know, you might as well test it on your own house first, right, before you go and sign a contract somewhere else. And, um, yeah, it, it does work, but it, it's drips and drabs, I find. I mean, you've got to do your research and you've got to know your areas and things. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a really good strategy and loads of people are really successful in it and, I would really be tempted to try it at some point, but um, I feel like for now I'm just going to focus and focus is what Ruth would say to me. And just, I'm, I'm trying to just do HMOs for now. <laughs> nice. Sounds very exciting. Yeah. Interesting to see where it all goes. Susie yeah. Morris, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tom, for having me on. It's, it's been great. Thank you. Cheers.